Have you been diving deep into health and nutrition and want to learn more? Up for a chat, Sidney O'Meara and the Functional Nutrition Academy present to you the Intro to Nutrition course. This 10-week introductory program is the perfect kickstarter to help you gain knowledge, get empowered and develop a healthy relationship with food. To find out more and to get access to one of the world's leaders in nutrition, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash nutrition. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by Agle Jacob. Um, she's a non-diet dietitian. She refers to herself as a heart and soul nutritionist, but she says she didn't start out that way. For more than half of her life, she had a terrible secret. Despite being all about food and all about nutrition, she thought she was a failure. She felt like she was out of control with food, and she met all the criteria for an eating disorder. Um, she was never diagnosed. She never got the help she needed because nobody ever asked her. They thought she's a registered dietitian. She must know what she's doing. Um, and she didn't want to talk about it. Obviously, being a dietitian, she found it very challenging. She tried everything, counting calories, tweaking her carbon fat intake, going vegetarian, going paleo, all sorts of different stuff without getting the results. And then she started to embark on a journey healing her relationship with food and her body. So a fascinating story I can't wait to talk to Aglae more about. Welcome to the show, Aglae Jacob. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to have you on board and it's such an important topic to talk about. So I'm really looking forward to delving into this with you. So tell us a little bit about your story. Let's go right back to the start. When did you decide that you might like to become a dietitian and where did your interest in food and nutrition start from? Yeah, that started pretty early. I was uh, in the middle of high school around the age of 15 and for some reasons, I, I, I felt I, I, there, there are so many reasons why I chose that profession. I had like someone in my family who had just started studying uh, in that field. So and then I just thought even, you know, my, I was always pretty healthy, but I, I just had that deep knowing that food could be a really powerful source of medicine. And then I had my own issues already. My relationship with food at that time was already a little bit messed up and I thought that maybe I could get the answers I needed to fix that. So tell us a little bit about that relationship with food. You know, what was it that uh, led to that being a bit out of whack, do you think? Well, it's it's hard to put the finger on only one thing, but, you know, as uh, – uh, as uh, we uh, get older, as females, our body changes a lot, and then uh, then I, you know, there's always a lot of high school drama, and I was rejected by some of my friends, and it was just something really, really hard for me to deal with, and I was rejected on the basis of the clothes that I was wearing; they were not cool enough. So, you know, I thought it was something really wrong with my appearance. So it might sound silly when you look back then, but. I, I talk to so many women and sometimes it's something so like just a very, very little thing that someone might tell them or a, a little event like that. And it just changes everything else as we relate to to ourselves and people around us and food also. So that, that kind of uh, put the seed in my head that there was something wrong with the way I looked. And um, 
you know, so I, I, I started slowly restricting my food intake and trying to lose weight the way I didn't, I didn't, you know, their internet was not as, uh, was just starting to, uh, get going at that time. So I was just trying to, to find ways I, I heard people talk about to restrict my food, to try to lose weight and exercise more, but then it would backfire at some point because biology always wins. You know, if you restrict yourself too much and don't nourish your body at some point, your body is going to scream and want some some food so I would go back and forth between that that cycle of restricting and then binging or eating my emotions however you want to call it so from one end of the spectrum to the other and it's 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 you know the more you do that the the, the worse it gets and your relationship with food can really go downhill really fast it's interesting you say that it just often starts from such a simple thing. You know, it can be just one little comment. It can be just one little moment. Um, and you remember that and it sticks with you. And I think we can all relate to that at certain times in our life and growing up through childhood. But do you think the issue then is, is it about that one little thing or is it about the relationship we have with ourselves that allows us to be so affected by that one little comment coming from outside? Like, Do you think there's deeper stuff going on there? There are, I think, on so many levels, as you said, uh, we are not often taught as we grow up effective coping mechanisms and uh, how we are also, you know, the school system and the society is built around competition and external validation and having the grades and like proving ourselves to our, our teachers and trying to be good girls or a good boy. Uh, so there's that part. And also, you know, society, like all the magazines and TV, there's so much advertisement and money going into marketing and making us feel insecure in our body. So I think there are many things against us in today's world yeah absolutely and so you obviously were by this stage you were then studying nutrition um you know tell us a bit about that journey of you know as you're starting to <laughs> learn more and more about food i guess that could be i guess a bit of a blessing and a curse you know when you've got that disordered right. relationship with your body and food and you're learning about ways to sort of play around with that uh, you know that could be have some benefits and some drawbacks how did that go for you Mm-hmm. Well, it, it was, it, it didn't help me uh, relate to food in a better way. It, you know, sometimes things, yeah, I think overall, it, it made things worse, because I learned about all of these other things, like uh, fats were was bad, and then counting calories and all of that. So I, I became really obsessive about counting calories and trying to hit ridiculously low numbers. And of course, at some point, I couldn't do it anymore. And I would just eat everything I could get my hands on. So yeah, the process of going through dietetic school was not really helpful in helping me better relate to having a better healthier relationship with food and my body at all. And interestingly enough, uh, as part of our education, there's very, very little we're taught about eating disorder. So that might be an hour or two, if I remember correctly, and nothing at all about disordered eating, because we have eating disorder like anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, binge eating disorder at one end of the spectrum. And then we have normal eaters, which are few and far between at the other end of the spectrum. But every, uh, you know, in between those two um, end of the spectrums, we have what we can call disordered eating or just uh, a messed up relationship with food. So there are, I've never learned about that. So because I 
didn't feel like I fit the eating disorder definition at that point. And also because when I, I went uh, to dietetic school, we were only talking about anorexia and bulimia. Binge eating disorder was not really talked about. I don't know if it was even defined at that point. So I didn't fit in the, within any of those two categories. So I, I thought it was just me, something wrong with me that I was just didn't have enough willpower or wasn't trying hard enough. So I would just keep trying harder and harder. And, you know, I guess that probably gave you a bit of an insight into the challenges many of many people are going through in our society and no doubt many of your patients are going through in terms of, you know, people who are just trying so hard, uh, but perhaps the advice they've been given in terms of what to eat and how to eat in terms of losing weight and managing their weight and, and gaining their health just isn't working. Um, and it seems that often we blame the people for not doing, you know, for not working hard enough, for not trying yes. hard enough, when in actual fact, we've just given them solutions that aren't particularly effective. So, you know, did, did that, has that helped you a lot in your career to have to gain that understanding? Yes, for sure. I think that yeah, as you said, it's easy for, for doctors and even uh, registered dietitians or other healthcare professionals to just label uh, a patient as non-compliant, like, oh, he's just not doing what I'm telling him or her to do. That's why he's not getting the results. But I think that first, it's the the very outdated, outdated model uh, that the, the general nutrition recommendations are based on uh, is first just you know it's a one-size-fits-all approach it's it need we need to help people learn how to better individualize their diet and their nutrition nutrition so it fits their body's needs and second there's also some unrealistic expectations about what um you know that we really think that health has to we have to be a certain body size to be healthy, but it's not necessarily the case. We can be healthy at different body size. We don't all have to have a very low body fat percentage. Actually, for, for some uh, women, it can be really detrimental and it can even affect fertility and it's it, it can, you know, bone loss and all of these things. So I think that, uh, yeah, those two sides are making the equation not a good one for, for many people. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned before, you said uh, you talked about eating disorders and you talked about uh, disordered eating. And then you said there's a few people who we define as normal eaters. Um, how would you define a normal eater? Like what makes someone a normal eater? Because I'm sure people are listening <laughs> to that thinking, question. where do I fit on that scale? Yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, some people hope, think that a normal eater would be someone who never eats their emotions or only eat only eats when they feel hungry and stop when they're full. I think, you know, it, it, that's part of the definition, but I don't think that even normal eaters don't eat their emotions ever. I think it, it's, it, there's like, I would say that a normal eater most of the time would eat according to his or her body cues. So if it's hungry or uh, full, it will follow those uh, body signals to know whether it should eat or how much and when to stop most of the time and also listen to uh, the cravings and what the body is asking. So I think that when you're well connected to your body, of course, you know, people are sometimes complaining of sugar cravings and all of that. And I think that uh, normal eaters um, 
may sometimes have sugar craving and they fulfill that craving and then it goes away uh, as long as you know the the rest of the diet is uh, is balanced and all of that but yeah to keep it short and clear I would say you know someone who is listening connected to the body signals uh, there might be some emotional eating once in a while but it wouldn't be the main coping mechanism and it would just be something that happens sometimes but other times when faced with other emotions that person would have a bunch of other tools to use to help her through that. Nice. So- I, 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 th- I like to think of my like my toddler is two and a half and when he eats um Sometimes, like it would, it's still chewing uh, a bite, and then he spits it out and says, oh, "Tummy is full," so he stops there. So that's <laughs> what I think of when I think of normal eater. Nice. And I guess a bit of a personal question, Aglay, and, and hopefully you don't mind me asking this, but mm-hmm. where would you put yourself on that scale now? I think I've come a long way from the far right uh, end of the spectrum of eating disorder toward the left. I don't. I think. Hmm. That's a good question. I think it's hard to measure, right? And uh, I, I think it's always a journey. But I think that I think that I would be much closer to the the left right now than uh, than I've ever been, and that's been through uh, a lot of. Um, you know, it's been a long journey uh, coming uh, that far, and but it feels just so different. The way I think about food, it's no longer the center of my life. Before, I used to read only things about health and nutrition, uh, books and podcasts and uh, on, on the internet. Everything was related to that. It was really the center of my life, and then I would plan my meals and try to count my calories or do my own meal plans and all of that. So it was just taking so much space in my life. But now when I think of food, of course, I eat mostly healthy foods because that's what feels good for my body. I have PCOS, so blood sugar regulation is really important. I used to have a lot of digestive issues, though now that's under control. But I know that there are things like gluten that doesn't work for me. But Overall, there's just so much peace and freedom around food because it's not my choices are no longer based on external factors like people telling me I should eat this or that or like uh, books or, or whatever kind of diets. But it's really as a way to be kind to myself and respect my body. And it's just um, my, the, you know, my food choices may be similar at, at most of my meals, but the why behind that is so different. And then I don't have the, the, the swing of the pendulum toward the need to binge or eat my emotions and, and do those kind of behaviors. Yeah, I love that. And it's so important, the things you've said there, that it's about being kind to yourself and it's about the why behind the how. You know, as you said, two people could be eating the exact same thing but having a totally different relationship with that food. Um, so, uh, Agla, well done. You know, it's, it's an amazing journey you've been on and, and you should be given so much credit for coming so far because, you know, that's a big deal. You know, it's a, it's a huge thing to change and a huge thing to overcome. So, um, congratulations to you and you've done a Thank wonderful you job um so tell us a little bit how you started to make that change i mean you obviously at some stage became aware that your relationship with food wasn't as healthy as you wanted it to be your relationship with your body wasn't as healthy as you wanted to be so how did you start to change that Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think the biggest uh, turning point in because I tried many things on my own, like I tried just, you know, trying different diets, I would never call them diet, it was just like a healthy lifestyle or clean eating or that sort of things. But still, it was about food rules and trying to the ultimate goal was more about trying to lose weight or change something about me and trying to find out what 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 was wrong about me and trying to fix me. So um, so I tried many things on my own, but it's when I finally reached out for help um, that it, it, it took a lot of uh, building up to get there. Like I remember clearly writing the email to that therapist that I was considering working with and then deleting it. And then I had to wait a few more months to get ready because it just felt so shameful to be opening up about those things to someone else uh, because the thing with disordered eating or eating disorder it's it's very hidden and kept secret and there's a tremendous amount of shame around those behaviors and my my fears were that you know <laughs> my therapist would make fun of me or not understand or think I was crazy but when I took that step and opened up to someone who was able to listen to me judgment-free I was, and we we didn't even think talk about food at that point. It was just more general about the stress and and uh, all the the things that were happening in my life and some things related to body image, but not so much about food. But still, it was just so healing to unpack some of that dark uh, shame hiding inside of me. And so, why do you think there is so much shame and so much secrecy around eating disorders and disordered eating? Well. That's a good question. I think that it's probably not talked about enough. Uh, uh, it's also, there's a lot of, like, food choices now are kind of moralized. Uh, it's, it, it's, you know, it's almost <laughs> like a, a religion. Like, if you eat clean or you're expected to do that all the time or with social medias, we're also shown like people post pictures of their meals and it's always the good, healthy, balanced meals with lots of greens. So we, I don't think that we have um, a realistic idea of what's happening in other people's life and everybody wants to just try to have everything together and uh, feel as if they have everything under control. But yeah, there's just so much shame because it feels like it's your fault. And I think that part of it is the diet industry makes us believe that if we fail, you know, it's not the diet that's the problem. It's just you need to you need to try harder or try for longer or add that supplement or whatever to, to make it work. It's never their fault. It's our fault. So there's I think that that's where a lot of the shame can come from. And so, Aglaia, how do people find the balance there then, I guess, between um, taking personal responsibility for their own health and for their, their diet and, and the, you know, the, what they're putting into their body, um, but not blaming themselves and shaming themselves? You know, how, do you, how do you do both? Yes, I think that we, many of us, we have an inner mean girl or an inner mean dude, like that inner critic inside of, of our heads, constantly criticizing ourselves or bullying ourselves into, and you know that the, the, the reason under those harsh things that we may tell herself is, is good. I mean, we trying to do that in a way to, to be better, to improve, to be healthier, but 
it's not really the way to do it. I think that those, um, I mean, for most of the people I work with, they've done that for years, decades, all of their life. And it, it keeps them stuck exactly where they've been all of their life too. So it's a bit counterproductive to try to use self-loathing or punishing ourselves in a way to be healthier and make better choices for our body without sabotaging ourselves. So I think that it starts with trying to bring a bit more compassion uh, and uh, decrease the judgment. Like one of the big things that I did when I started healing my relationship with food, I was at first, I was not focusing on necessarily changing the behaviors uh, of binging or eating my emotions. But what I was focusing on was to try to not judge it and try to not be so reactive about it and try to not be jumping on the wagon of trying to plan another uh, diet or a meal plan for the next Monday or whatever. I was trying to punish myself with going exercising. So I think that trying to have compassion with ourselves if we if we we are trying to to fight constantly against ourselves uh, it, it, it's not really productive. So I think we just need to be more gentle with ourselves, pay attention to those thoughts, because it's often those thoughts, you know, when we tell ourselves that we're not good enough in some ways, or we'll never get where we want to go or look the way we want to look, or, you know, so-and-so has it together and we should too, or, you know, those kind of things. It's, it's, it's can, it can actually set, you know, those, those, those thoughts, affects our emotions and then of course we feel bad and and uh lonely or disappointed with ourselves and those emotions then lead to our thoughts and often it can be sabotaging um actions like eating things that aren't good for our body so i think being more gentle with ourselves having more compassion and just being aware of our thoughts and how it affects our emotions and judgment is one really important step, although a very, very big one. And it's not something that happens like once. It's something that we constantly have to remind ourselves of. And Aglaid, do you consciously manage your thoughts now? Like, are there any particular tools or tricks you use to try and be more conscious of the way you communicate with yourself? Yeah, I think that awareness is really the biggest thing. Uh, I mean, right, you know, I, most women, when they stand in front of the mirror, they're quite quick to point to the things that they don't like about their body and try to, to dress in a way that hides their quote unquote flaws and all of these things. But I've noticed that with times I've been able to retrain and rewire my brain and I feel pretty neutral about my body. So it's not necessarily to go from hating your body to loving your body, just bringing more neutrality to it. Uh, is 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 uh, really great. So the things that I do is just trying to be more aware. And when I hear that inner mean girls being activated, it can be sometimes because I'm scrolling down on uh, Instagram uh, and seeing uh, other people's lives that look so perfect or something like that, then uh, I try to, oh, okay, it's okay, it's okay. I've got this under control and trying to just... Uh, to just notice it as early as possible and remind myself that it's it's my inner mean girl. It's it's she's just there to try to protect me in some ways, but I have I have it under control. I know what to do to take care of myself. 
Yeah, it's such a great thing. I know uh, one of my good friends, Melissa Ambrosini, who's an author in Australia, has written a book called Mastering Your Mean Girl. And uh, and it's all about exactly what you're talking about. Mm. And, and, and I read it as well. And, and even as a guy, you know, it's, it's a book <laughs> very much written for women and talks all about women. But, but as a guy, it was, it was really useful and, and it was great. So, you know, I think being conscious and being aware of that is so important. So, what does this look like then for you now on a day-to-day basis, Agley, in terms of the way you eat and the way your relationship with food now? Um, what, what's a normal mm-hmm. day for you now? Well, I think that what I learned is that um, I need to know. I, 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 I'm really clear about what my body needs right now. Uh, after all the work I've done, I, I know what kind of food I need at uh, regular intervals throughout the day to keep my blood sugar stable and to satisfy my, my, my hunger and just have enough energy to, to go through my day. But I think that the, so that's one part to making sure that your body is well nourished. But then the other part that I make sure I include every day is also have really i have intentions about f- nourishing my my mind and my heart and and my soul which are things that i never did for 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 many many years and i think that was part of the problem too because you feel like there's always something missing and you're trying to fill that void with food which never helps and make things worse in the long run so i try to that could be as simple as just trying to be as present as I can with my 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 toddler instead of you know before I I could have been thinking about food or what I should eat or how my uh, how I could lose weight but trying to be really present in those times when you can have fun or connecting with nature or taking some time for meditation I'm not the best I at meditating uh just taking the time is hard for me it's easier for me to take the time to do other things to care for myself but I try to take five minutes here and there to just slow down and reconnect with myself it can include simple things uh, that just feed my my heart mind and soul and those things are things that I would never have thought about and I think that's part of the self-discovery process that go that 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 happens as you heal your relationship with food because when your whole life is centered about food and exercise and losing weight then you forget about the other things that might interest you so i think that's really cool to be able to to make more room for other stuff that are a lot more meaningful so tell us about what you do now, Aglay. You obviously help lots of people all around the world. Um, your website, Radicata Nutrition. Um, tell us about what you're doing there and the seed classes you've been running. Right. Okay. So Radicata Nutrition. Radicata is uh, it, it's it's Latin for root. So when I created that, I was doing more clinical nutrition and helping people heal their digestive issues. So root was a word I chose because I help people go to the root of their health issues and using the root of medicine, which I believe is is nutrition and food. Uh, but now that I'm moving towards uh, helping women more specifically heal their relationship with food, I can see that the word radicata or root couldn't be <laughs> there couldn't be a better way to um, to call my business because we really go even deeper to those roots of why which is to eat a certain way and how to reconnect like have those roots deep into our our body heart mind and soul so uh, that's what I'm doing so I have 
I, I blog at radicatanutrition.com. And uh, then I have those Radicata seed classes coming. So the seed is all about the analogy. This is a dream I had. Like a lot of the women struggling with their relationship with food are like little seed. They're stuck in their husk under the ground. And they think sometimes they might even not even know they're stuck there because that's all they know. But once we are able to give them the the nourishment they need through, you know, the water, the warmth of the sun and helping them grow their roots a bit more, um, more deeper, uh, deeply, then they are able to grow and extend their leaves and, and, and bloom as the flower they're meant to be. Because what is cool with flowers, you know, they don't compare themselves to other flowers. They all, you know, happy to be the flower they are. They have different sizes, different colors, and that's, that's what makes it beautiful. So, you know, this is not about all trying to look like the cover of the magazines or things like that. It's about finding what our, our body, the space our body needs to take. And it might not necessarily be what you were trying to do for years and years, but trying to come to terms with that and know how to really care for your body and your whole self is what those seeds, uh, those radicata seed classes are about. And the next batch is starting on May 1st and uh, it's all online. So everybody's welcome. Great. And and then you also do uh, some free trainings you have on your website, which is the the whole batch syndrome training. What, what's that about? Agway? Right. So that's for those uh, feeling like whenever there's a batch of something or a box or they, they end up eating the whole thing. And that was me. Uh, if I would bake a batch of muffin or cookies, it didn't take very long before they were all gone. And I know that many, many other people can relate to that, especially when we are constantly trying to restrict ourselves or go on, you know, whether it's the amount of calories or uh, the types of foods that we eat, then when we have some Thing, even that's something that's healthy, we, we, we tend to not be able to control ourselves. So, so for those finding that they lose control with food, the whole batch syndrome online training is a great place to start, to start healing your relationship with food. It's just five short lessons, all online, uh, short videos. Uh, so you can check that out too and all free. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on board today, Agla. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on board. Um, it's an amazing journey. It's an amazing story you've got and uh, and you're to be absolutely commended for how far you've come and the amount that you're helping other people go through these struggles, which, which are very real and, and unfortunately very common and as you said, unfortunately not spoken about as much as they should be in our society. So, thank you very much. You're doing a great job. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And so, for everyone else, make sure you check out Aglay. Head to her website, radicatanutrition.com. I'll put that into the show notes. Um, and until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com. And let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.